Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. Rob and Ed back with you as always. Ed, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. How about you, Rob? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Uh, starting to get some nice weather back in Houston. I say nice. People up north are laughing at me. It got, it got down in the 30s, Ed. <laughs> we had a dusting of snow in the whole metropolitan area in Jackson, Mississippi. Shut down. Schools closed. So in Jim- Houston, we didn't get any snow. You know, last few days they had some uh, snow hit all over Texas. Big storm came through. You know, got cold weather. We got down, like I said, in the 30s. But it was funny. We had people from Houston driving, you know, two hours away just so they could take their kids. You know, we never see snow. So they were taking them two hours away just to go play somewhere in the snow. I thought that was funny. I know. I grew up in the Midwest, so I don't don't miss the snow. I grew up in Pittsburgh where we had several feet of snow every year. (laughs) Yeah, same thing. So, all right, we are doing podcast episode number 13 today. And, man, I don't know if you planned it this way. If you saw number 13, that bad luck number, and that's what kind of drove you to come up with the uh, the topic for today. The yeah, ti- right. <laughs> <laughs> the title is, After You Close the Deal, How to Collect What You've Built. So I know that's always a struggle for a lot of, of moving companies specifically, you know, it's a, uh, well, we're going to jump into it. I'm, I'm not going to jump ahead here, but uh, I think it's something that people will be interested in because they're, they're, it's just tough sometimes to collect from the, what you're owed from the clients that you do business with. So first question, Ed, did you ever have trouble collecting what you build? I already know the answer. <laughs> well, we did not. Uh, it's funny. I was not aware of it myself because it was never on our radar screen. It really wasn't. Well, let's put it to oh, Come on. It was rarely on our radar screen. You can tell I'm in sales. I exaggerate and embellish everything. I said the word never. But when I sold my moving company, Peachtree Movers, the deal went to contract in August of 1999. And between August and the end of November, it's when they did their due diligence. That's when the buyer came to our place of business with a team of attorneys and accountants, believe it or not, and just went through every customer, every receivable, every payable, our revenue. I mean, and here I am, I'm a moving company with a big warehouse. So, of course, we have every bill of lading and every job we've ever done over the 24 years I had my moving company. Why throw it away? We had a place to store it. And they actually went through all of our invoices. They really did. They were there for, they camped out for weeks. And the buyer one afternoon came in my office and said, did you know that you did more than 50,000 local office moves over the 24-year period? And I said, yeah, I knew it was something like that because of Numbers on the bill of lading were up in the you know fifty thousand area, and he said, "Do you know how many bad debts you had over the twenty-four year period?" And I said, "No." He says, "I do." I said, "How many?" He said, "You had ten bad debts over the twenty-four years, fifty thousand plus moves you did. Can you believe that?" And I said, "I didn't know it was that high." He said, "Well, and your largest bad debt was less than three thousand dollars." So that was our track record that I was not even aware of. I mean, we weren't really ever worried about collecting what we build. 
And um, maybe it's because, too, because we are always the most expensive bid. I think when a customer wants to beat out, beat the mover, beat the mover, you know, and not pay the bill, they go with the lowest bidder, knowing that they can't do it for that price. And then they have a reason not to pay the bill because the bill is higher than the estimate. Most of the time, most of the time, our final bill equaled or was less than the estimate of uh, that we gave them. And I think that that was a filter that weaned the bad customers from hiring us, the ones that were, had no intention to, to pay the bill anyhow. So uh, that's my answer is that, you know, we really didn't have a problem collecting what we build. I'm, I'm impressed with that. I mean, it makes me say, wow, you know, so the next question is the obvious question, Ed, how in the world did you accomplish that? I wish I could tell you I took a course and I learned how to do it that way, but I took a real life course. Again, as we know, I'm a graduate from that terrible, terrible school of hard knocks. Okay. I was getting ready to say, I know where you learned this lesson. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it couldn't have been worse. We've been on a large law firm move in downtown Atlanta, and the move was supposed to go five hours Friday evening, eight hours Saturday, and like six or seven hours on Sunday and finish like around four o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. And really nice people, loved the contact I had, the um, office manager, the guy was just, couldn't have been nicer, uh, just a real, real saint, real gentleman. And we got the move. And we started the move and we did a van rotation, a shuttle. We had a sending crew at the origin at Peachtree Center, I remember. And they were going to move into a building uh, near Colony Square on 14th Street, another high rise building. So we split our crew. We had like 21 guys, you know, sending crew, receiving crew in the trucks. The free trucks did round robin. One was loading while one was unloading. Well, I got a call about 7.30 in the evening on Friday evening from my supervisor who was out of breath. And he said, Mr. Katz, Mr. Katz, the trucks are backing up on Peachtree Street. We can't get into the building. I said, well, why not? And he said, I don't know, but something about a fire marshal and they failed a CO, which meant nothing to the supervisor. I said, oh, they did not pass the fire marshal's fire test, whatever that was. They did not get their certificate of occupancy. They were the first tenant moving into this brand new building. So in the meantime, I was still at work and I drove to the building. And sure enough, the trucks, trucks are backed up. The guys are standing around with their hands in their pocket. And not only that, the, the equipment, the rolling stock, the four-wheel dollies and carts that we use on the job are all either on the trucks, you know, or, you know, on the pavement going into the building, but now the crew, the crew at Peachtree Center at the origin has run, run out of things to do. They have no rolling stock, so they're not working. And the crew at the destination is not working. So what I forgot to tell you was when I got the move from this really nice guy who was the contact with the law firm, we shook on it. We had no paperwork we had no contract this was the deep south this was atlanta where you know it was eddie eddie Katz, and this guy was johnny somebody 
and we we were honorable people. We shook on it and we got the move, and that was that. There was I gave him a written estimate. You know, the total. You know, it was a pleasure meeting with him and blah blah blah. The usual boilerplate. You know, cover letter. But that was it. He didn't sign anything, and we didn't get a deposit. But you had an email confirmation. Yeah, this is uh, nineteen. <laughs> yeah, this is nineteen eighty-two. Email. What's email? Yeah, we had no confirmation, nothing. But our flapping our jaws. This is before so, beepers. Be yeah. When you're right. Well, no, we got a beeper. I think. I think we had a beep, beep, beep. And then you had to find a payphone that yeah. wasn't vandalized, right? That, that didn't take your quarters and then not have have a dial tone. But anyhow, that aside. Um. My ten thirty that night, they finally got a temporary CO. So we started unloading the trucks, but you can see how much time we wasted, probably two and a half hours on the clock. You know, you can't say to your guys, hey, can you be part of the team and help us out and not charge us for the time you weren't working, you know, standing around while we were waiting to get into the building. doesn't work that way, does it? They're on the clock. That meter's running, and that has to be passed on to the client. So that aside. So anyhow, when we get into the building, we're shocked to find that the carpet installer is still laying carpet in the halls and in the private offices. This is a law firm, a lot of private offices, and they're still installing carpet. And we notice that the ceiling towels are not all in the ceiling. And guess what, Rob? When the ceiling towels, when the ceiling tiles are not in the ceiling, where do you think they are? Piled up somewhere. Yeah, piled up on the floor. So now we're doing like like a giant internal move in addition to this external move because we're rearranging the furniture and staging it as we move into the building to make it easier for the carpet people to install and lay the carpet. And of course, the same thing with the ceiling tiles. You don't move ceiling tiles. We're, we have all these, these roadblocks so, you know, that are impeding the flow of the furniture. Anyhow, our whole weekend was like that. I mean, all Saturday, we're working in tandem with the carpet installer and the ceiling tile people. Sunday, the same thing. So the move doesn't finish at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. The move finishes probably about, I think it was 9 o'clock at night. But we did it. We got them moved in. And they were open for business Monday morning. We were the heroes because the, the guy who owned the ca uh, carpet company, he personally shook my hand. He was so grateful. He said, you guys, we... The way you worked in tandem with us, we appreciate it so much. And my contact was just so relieved that they were going to be open for business. We pulled the rabbit out of the hat and then we invoiced them. Now, the original estimate, Rob, was like $19,000. And we, with all that overage and all that standing around and all that wasted dead time, the final bill was about $21,000. And I gave the invoice to my, I hand delivered the invoice to my contact. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. I gave the uh, invoice to my contact and he said, Hey, I'll give it to the powers to be. And thank you so much. Six weeks later, I get a letter from the law firm. I can't wait to read it. You know why? It's going to be one of those attaboy letters. Like you guys are wonderful. You were great. You overcame all those obstacles and we were open for business. And I opened the letter and I literally started crying. I couldn't believe it because the letter said that they weren't paying us a penny over the $19,000 estimate. 
that it's not their fault that the move took longer and cost more. And that's that. So I made an appointment, met with my contact, who was always so nice and polite, and he was still very polite. He said, hey, Ed, I'm sorry, but it's out of my hands. That's what the big boss told me, too. So if you want to collect, you know, for this for this move, we're going to pay you 19000 but I'm sorry, the powers to be, it's like some god, right? The powers to be are not paying any, any more than a $19,000 estimate. So I was just, I mean, let me tell you, when you're a small company starting out, $19,000 or $21,000 cash flow is everything. I mean, we worried about <clears throat> making payroll. I think we had to borrow some extra money, you know, from the bank. We sued them. Now, I don't know if you know this. Attorneys don't like to sue attorneys. They just don't. That's just their, their unwritten code. But we found an attorney to sue them. And for whatever reason, it took five years to finally go to court. Five years. Five years we didn't get paid. Five years they sat on our money. And we went to mediation. Can, can I ask a question here real quick? Sure. Did they pay the quoted amount and the, you were just suing for the difference? Or did they not pay a dime? They held us hostage. They didn't pay a dime. They wanted they you to agree to their terms. They wanted us. And then I also found out that they didn't pay the guys, the, the people that, that did the mill work, you know, the, the chair railings. Right. You know, they didn't pay them the full bill. They didn't pay the carpet installer his full bill. They didn't pay other contractor. The painter didn't get paid their full amount. So they, we were just one of many service providers or vendors that didn't get paid, you know, the, the, the right amount. So we sued them and took five years. We went to mediation and the senior partner of the law firm sat opposite me in the mediation room and he takes out the estimate and it says, he says right here, you, Ed Katz, alleged in your cover letter that you are professional movers. And he looks at me in the eye and he says, and because of that, you should have allowed for these unforeseen contingencies. The chutzpah, the chutzpah. Do you know what chutzpah means? You're about to tell me. Yeah, it's a Jewish word. It's a great word. I'll, I'll give you an explanation, then I'll tell you the definition. Chutzpah is when the son is on trial for murdering his mother, his father, his sister, and his brother, and he throws himself on the mercy of the court because he's an orphan. That's chutzpah, nerve. So the nerve of this guy, he says to me, you said right here in writing that you were professional movers and you should have allowed, you should assume there'd be some unforeseen contingencies. Anyhow, the um, mediator sided with us, but it was a voluntary mediation. It was non-binding. Non the next day, we got a check from that senior partner's law firm for $29,000. He paid way over what we asked for, but it dragged out five years. And you have to understand, I don't think I, I mean, even though I got 29,000 instead of the 21,000, that 7,000 was a real cost to me because of the interest I had to pay on the money, right? 
for five years and almost put us out of business. If I couldn't, if I was not able <clears throat> to uh, borrow the money, that would have really been terrible. And the anguish we went through, but he did pay the 29,000. So here as a graduate of that school of hard knocks, that's how we came up with our order for service or which is our contract. We just didn't call it a contract for, you know, people don't like the word contract. They're afraid to sign contracts. So we, we wrapped and packaged it and called it our order for service, which was a contract. So that's the true story. So uh, two things. One, after that experience, I know for a fact, there's no doubt in my mind, you never did business with a law firm again. You know, it's so funny. Again, when I had my interaction with my in-person seminars, so many of my students over the years, when I would share this story with them that I just told our listeners and you, they said, and that's why we won't bid on law firm moves. And I said, to the contrary, we used to love to move attorneys. First of all, if they're good attorneys, they listen. They really do listen. They're, they're good at listening and, and following orders. And we just had a good contract. But I learned something else, too. <clears throat> I, I'm going to whisper this because I don't want any attorneys that we moved in the past to know what we did. But when I had the moving company... We jacked the estimate up by 20 to 30%. So like if it were going to be, you know, a $10,000 move, we would estimate 11000 or 12000 because we found if it's a penny over the estimate, if you bill them a penny over the estimate, there's going to be pushback <clears throat> and they're not going to want to pay the full amount. It's so funny. I became friends with a guy who was an underwriter for a major insurance company who sold liability insurance to law firms. And he said, that's what we do. He said, <clears throat> excuse me for frog in my throat, everyone. Um, he said, we, <clears throat> we sometimes get sued by our clients, the lawyers. Like if we had liability insurance and it doesn't cover something they did wrong, they'll sue us. So guess what? Our premiums are higher for law firms than for other industries because we know that we're going to have the same problem you're going to have with that particular particular industry. So I wasn't the only service provider. I wasn't the only vendor that that bid higher. And and again, most of the time, our final bill equaled or was lower than the estimate anyhow. But we really covered our, ourselves by giving higher estimates to that particular industry. And, and it worked out well. So I have a couple of questions. One is, the order for service that we keep talking about, everybody's asking, man, this sounds like a great document, you know, and, and so a lot of people might be coming from the uh, household goods part and they know that big, long order for service that's, you know, on all the paperwork that they get signed with a client there. Was there specific things? Can you talk about it? Is this the right time to talk about it? The things that were on the order for service that helped protect you and helped ensure that you were able to collect what you build. Yes, good question. Well, first of all, the order for service, not in mice type, but in 14 font or 16 font. It was a one-page document. And it said the final bill is based upon the actual time expended and material, not the estimate. I mean, it said that. And it said that net due is net due upon receipt. In other words, they owe it as soon as we invoice them. They don't get 30, 60, 90, or 120 days. 
And it also said, I found out that in, in law, you can't, you can't after the fact charge interest or legal fees unless it's in your signed contract. In other words, if all I had was the sentence about actual time, actual material, but nothing about legal fees or court costs um, or interest, then when I did sue them, I could not ask for legal costs, court costs or interest. So in there, it says that not only is net due upon receipt, but the customer is liable for all collection and legal expenses as well as uh, uh, interest. And then it said something else that was really great. Remember the law firm example? We are not responsible for unforeseen contingencies such as those resulting from construction activity, elevator failure, or non-exclusive use of the elevator or loading area. So we really covered all those bases in our um, order for service. And, you know, that's how after that we <coughs> had so few bad debts because, you know, and if they didn't, guess what? If they said we can't sign this contract, in my opinion, they did us the biggest favor in the world. I don't want to move somebody that disagrees with those terms and conditions. I, I really don't. I yeah, mean, totally agree with you. Thinking about this and moves, you know, sometimes, Ed, uh, I'm just going to throw this scenario out to you and you tell me how you would handle it. Uh, we would do a move and, you know, everything's fine. Um, we came in at or below the, the quoted estimate, uh, but unfortunately something got scratched or dented or broken and we needed to, you know, resolve that issue. And we would have a client that might tell us, I'm not paying you what I owe you until you fix all the things I want fixed. I know. Uh, it's, and our collection person was the same person I talked about in our earlier podcast uh, uh, before this one. And she handled insurance and she handled claims. I don't know how she slept at night or <laughs> woke up in the morning. I wouldn't want that job for all the money in the world, poor thing. So usually she would come in my office and say, Mr. Katz, I can't talk to this particular customer. He screamed and yelled at me and cursed and said something like, I'm not paying your effing bill. And she said he didn't abbreviate. I'm not paying your effing bill until you guys come out and fix my desk or something like that. So then when I called the guy, he was like so polite. I mean, I guess there's a double standard, I guess. <laughs> Go I mean, figure. I, I don't think that they would get away with that today, but this is back in the days, right? When I had my moving company. But anyhow, that aside, here's what we said. Sir, <clears throat> if you read the contract, our order for service that you signed, it clearly states that as a precedent to our processing, the claim, the bill must be paid in full. I don't remember ever reading that or signing that. Well, would you like me to fax you? Can you see the days before email? Would you like me to fax you a copy of the signed contract, our order for service that you signed? Yeah, send that to me. And in there, the signature of his authorized agent, his employee, was on the agreement. And it said, as a precedent to processing the claim, I want to use that word processing. You didn't hear me say the word settle. I said processing the claim the bill must be paid in full before we process the claim 
I'm not going to be held hostage. I spent all that money on labor, all that money on fuel, all that money on pack material. And this guy's going to hold a gun to my head and say, I'm not paying your bill until you satisfy all my claims. No, I it didn't work that way. And they didn't have a leg to stand on. I mean, when they did read when we got the contract signed, we never read the contract to them. I have met um, students over the years that put their contract in their estimate. Are they crazy? Yeah. It's a negative. It's a negative. It's none of their, first of all, it's proprietary, right? Right. And secondly, why would you show something negative in an estimate, in a proposal? So they only got that contract when we got the move. And I'll tell you this, 99% of the time, they felt so warm and fuzzy about moving with us. They didn't read that contract. Do you ever read the contract when you sign your life away, when you rent a car at the rental station, at the airport, when you travel? No, you don't read. You'd never sign it if you read it. They don't, they don't read the contract. They just, they, as you're putting the paper down on the desk to sign, they're signing it. They signed it. Okay, I've got two more scenarios for you to get your how you handle it and if it if these scenarios were covered in your order for service the first that i i came up with i wrote down was so many times whether it's the customer's choice or another issue that's beyond their control but it affects us as the moving company and the, the resources we've allotted for their move the customer has booked their move everything's went well you've delivered out all their materials um, their move is going to take place Friday night. Everything's going along as scheduled. You get to Friday afternoon, and for some reason, let's just say it's, again, they were supposed to have their certificate, certificate of occupancy, and they didn't get it Friday afternoon. They thought for sure they were going to have it. They have to cancel and postpone the move until the next weekend or a few days later. You lost an opportunity to book business, and there's a cost to you as the service provider in that scenario how did you handle that? Or did you handle that? Well, again, school hard knocks, you know, but we started seeing a trend where like Thursday afternoon before the big weekend move that week, they call as an afterthought and say, hey, space is not going to be ready. We need to move the following weekend. They have created a vacuum, a black hole in my schedule. We've already, you know, notified, you know, 20 to 30 different employees, you know, to come to work on Friday at 4.30, so they can go and work Friday evening and, of course, schedule for the weekend. And you're right, we we have no business now, let's say, or very little business because we turned down other business so we can do this move. And they would, like, let us know at the last moment. So one of the things we did tell them when they signed our contract, at that point we say that I do want to point out one thing. You need to go and visit your new space at least three times a week. And if you don't see construction activity occurring in your new space, then you need to scream bloody murder. Because what these contractors used to say to the property management people, and that would be conveyed to the tenant is, oh, we should have your space ready by such and such a date. And I used to say to them, the word should is not an acceptable vocabulary word. You need to beat them up hit them over the head and say, we can't base the movement of our phone switch, our, uh, this again, most of the time before computers, but our, our computers, our data lines, 
our move service, we can't base it on the word should. We need a drop-down date. When can we take occupancy when you won't have anybody, no construction activity occurring in the space? Because in our contract, it said you have to give us at least four business days advance notice if you need to change the schedule. Because if not, you'll be charged a change time fee equal to the largest hourly cost breakdown that we have. So what that means is, you know, we're going to have a small crew maybe go in and prep the building at the new location, you know, with building protection. Well, that's like three men, five hours, I say. Well, then we're, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, maybe $1,200 per hour, you know, when all the crews and all the trucks are on the job times four days, they're going to be charged that amount. And so we make them aware of the fact we give ownership and accountability to who should have it in the first place, that customer. And that customer, because he is made aware that there's going to be a big fine, a penalty, if they at the last moment find out their space is not ready and they change their move date, that's going to be on them as well as on us. We're going to get at least that, that fee. And you know what? The problem went away. And I cannot tell you again, when I used to teach my in-person seminar, the bobbing heads, like, did this ever happen to you at the last moment? Yeah, they had no skin in the game. Why wouldn't they let you know at the last moment? You've got to put that penalty in there, and you've got to explain that to them. We have a really successful client in the D.C. area that has, they have to give them five days advance notice, or there's a, a penalty fee. And it works. The problem goes away that way. And probably related to your question, I'm going to second guess you, is you're doing the move and there's a 17-car pileup, 17-car uh, pileup on the interstate that you have to travel. And you're stuck, you're, two or three of your trucks are stuck with your crews in traffic, nothing moves for four hours, right? Right. Un yeah, act of God, unforeseen contingency. Do you pass it on to the customer? Well, the first question is, are you going to pay your men for sitting in the truck doing nothing for four hours? And you darn bitter, you, you, you are going to pay your men. It's just like in the other podcast, you can't say to your moving crew, Hey, can you help us out? It's not the customer's fault. It's not my fault. Can you guys just be off the clock for the four hours you were sitting in traffic doing nothing? You can't do that. You owe them for that time. But here's what we did. I am fair. I am balanced. And I think this is an equitable solution. I'd say to the customer, look, you know, there was an accident on I-85 or I-75 and we sat in traffic for four hours. And that's the reason the bill is higher than the estimate. How about for that time that we sat in traffic and we the move came to a grinding halt? We have the right to charge you that actual time at $1,200 an hour. How about if we split the cost? How about if I charge you $600 an hour. At least it covers my costs. Yeah. And I yeah. don't lose any money because of that. They love that. They thought that was just so wonderful that it was so fair as to say, you got to pay it. You know, same no, thing I with an elevator. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with an elevator failure. You know, if, you know, if we have to wait to have the elevator repaired or we have to go home and come back the next day, you know, that, Okay, that's that, going to be passed on. 
That's another podcast because I think that's, uh, you know, in your seminar, you have a form that is used that, that covers that topic and many others uh, as far as kind of the responsibility of the client uh, to make sure those things are minimized as much as possible. Those kind of issues that come up are minimized right. as much as possible. So that'll, that'll yeah. be a fun one to talk about. Yes. Okay. We can do that. Good. So this, this has been a great, great episode, but I do want to throw this out, Ed, you and I have uh, been talking about some topics that, that we've wanted to talk about, but man, we would love to hear from the listeners it, and tell me if I'm wrong. We'd love to hear from them if they have a topic that they see or, or have been dealing with or an issue or something they want some dialogue on, some conversation on about how we ha- would handle those things. Uh, we'd love for them to get on LinkedIn on your page where we post every week uh, the, the next episode and just put some comments out there. And uh, maybe it's related to a, a previous podcast we did. They heard it, but they want some further conversation on, on something particular to that podcast. And we'd be happy to hear those things and uh, talk about those things on a future podcast. Oh, Rob, that's a great idea. And I hope that our listeners will. They can they can email me a question or topics, uh, Ed Katz, E-D-K-A-T-Z, Ed Katz, at office, O-F-F-I-C-E, moves, M-O-V-E-S, dot com. They can email me or they can go through my website, officemoves.com, and there's a way of contacting me um, through the website or, as you said, LinkedIn. But we would love to hear uh, other topics that they'd like to, us to you know, see if we could come up with solutions to their, their worst nightmares and their worst problems. And who knows? They may have a, a great topic that we really like, and we may, uh, we may invite them to come on and talk to us a little bit about it because they've brought that issue up. And we might want to hear from them kind of what's going on with that topic. Another great, great idea, Rob. Thank yeah. you. Well, thanks, everybody, for uh, listening to this episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. Ed and I always appreciate you guys joining us for these conversations. We look forward to more. But until our next episode, please go sell another move. Bye, everyone.